Welcome. I'm Kevin Scott, one of the story architects of Star Wars The High Republic. This is Dominic Pace, who plays Gekko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Claudia Gray. I write Star Wars books. And you're listening. And you are listening to Star Wars Comics in Canon. The Force is strong with this one. Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. For episode 15, I want to delve into the first volume of Darth Vader comics in their first run. Before we get into the narrative, just a bit of background information of these comics. So they're written by Kieran Gillen, and the artist is Salvador La Roca, and the colorist is Edgar Delgado. The first volume slash book one has six issues. Issue number one was out February 2015, and issue number six was out June 2015, and the collection was out October 2015. These comics are set shortly after New Hope, and they're essentially set just after the third issue of the main run of Star Wars comics from 2015. So if you listen to one of my episodes a few weeks back where I spoke about the first volume of Star Wars main run comics, which is called Skywalker Strikes, and it shows Luke's first direct confrontation with Darth Vader, this is set just after that. So I really recommend you go back and listen to Skywalker Strikes, because it just gives a bit more background information about that. But essentially, this run of Vader comics runs alongside the main run of Star Wars comics, so there's a lot of storylines that kind of intertangle and things like that. And just for clarity, there are three current versions of Vader comics out. This is the first run, as I said, by Kieran Gillen, and there are going to be five annuals about that. There's then the second run, which was written by Charles Saul, which more so takes place after Revenge of the Sith and the build-up to A New Hope. And then there's the third run, which is done by Greg Pak, and that is one that's currently out at the moment. I think it's on issue three or four. Obviously, due to COVID lockdown stuff, there's a few delays in the comic world. But rest assured, for any confusion, on this channel i'm not going to delve into the second or third run of vader comics until i finish with this run as i said i think there are five full annuals of it so there'll probably be five major episodes that i do about this run of vader comics so that's what you can expect and just for clarity as well this is where the character dr afra is introduced who is an amazing character as well as triple zero and bt1 they um they've got their own run of comics as well called dr afra the dr afra comics is set after this Vader series. So further down the line, once I finish this Vader series, I'll be going on to the Dr. Afra series, as well as the second run of Vader comics. But I'll make all that clear at the start of those episodes. I will also say the Vader comics, in my opinion, are probably the best of the Star Wars comics I've read. There's a few miniseries that are really cool, like the Kylo Ren and Obi-Wan miniseries are really good, and the Princess Leia one I did last week is pretty cool. But Generally, I'd say for the big Star Wars fans, if you can only get one run of comics, I'd really recommend getting the Darth Vader comics. This first run, introducing Dr. Aphra and things, is amazing. It fills a lot of gaps between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, which is what a lot of people really clamor for, because it was around three years between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, and then about a year between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. So there's quite a lot of time to be filled there. And then the second run of Vader comics is set shortly after Revenge of the Sith, and it's Vader coming to terms with being Vader and no longer Anakin Skywalker. And the third run hasn't really gone far enough for me to really give a summary on it. But 
the Vader comics, this one by Kieran Gillen and the other one by Charles Saul, are, in my opinion, two of the best of the Star Wars comics. So if you can only pick up two, go grab both Vader comics. So jumping right in, the first comic basically starts with Vader going to Jabba's palace and he wants to bargain with him. He wants to bargain for a personal favour and obviously Jabba sort of tries his way with Vader a little bit. Vader does kill two Gamorrean guards as he steps in and I just want to read you a little exchange of theirs because it's quite cool. So basically Bib Fortuna, who is the Twi'lek, basically the pink guy with tentacles who in Return of the Jedi, lets Luke in after Luke does a Jedi mind trick on him. He walks up to Jabba and says, he's here, your master wake up, he's butchered the guards, he's here. And then Jabba says, you arrive a day early, kill two of my guards and expect me to deal with you. Obviously he says that in Hutties. And Vader says, I have only killed two. Do not make me reconsider my generosity. Which is just perfect Vader line there. I love it. And yeah, they have some sort of disagreement you know Jabba tries to get his guards to attack him and things starts shooting blasters at him Vader very easily deflects all of them I think kills a couple of people and then Jabba tries to open up the sort of rancor pit and things but Vader's too smart for that and then basically force chokes Jabba until Jabba basically does what he wants and as I said Vader asks for a personal favor and then it is a flashback so the flashback of two days before, it shows Palpatine saying that Vader failed. It says that Vader failed to save the Death Star. You know, there were pilots there, and obviously Vader was behind Luke and things, try, was about to stop him before Solo and the Falcon came by and uh, stopped all that happening in A New Hope. And then after that, as I've explained slightly at the start, was the Skywalker Strikes run of comics, which is the first few Star Wars main run of comics from 2015. In that, Luke has his first confrontation with Vader properly, because the TIE Fighter Death Star Trench thing wasn't really confrontation. So he first approaches Vader with a lightsaber, and he gets destroyed, basically. But fortunately, Han manages to steal an AT-AT and saves the day, and Luke gets to escape. So Palpatine is basically saying, look, you failed to not only stop the Death Star, blowing up but you also couldn't track down that pilot who actually caused the Death Star to blow up and you failed that mission altogether which was the one in Skywalker Strikes so he basically says you need to go to Jabba you need to make a deal with him so that the Empire can expand the outer rims are primarily where the Empire doesn't have such a strong fist that's what you need to do Jabba's got a lot of contacts and things start there and from there we can slowly spread the Empire outward when Vader and Palpatine are speaking and things, Vader does say he takes responsibility for his actions, but he says he alone wasn't the only person who failed. And then the Emperor says, well, you basically everyone else who failed died except for Taig. And Palp basically says that you now have to answer to Taig. Taig answers directly to me, but if Taig tells you to do something, you have to do it. Taig is T-A-G-G-E. And Taig was one who actually argued against the arrogance of the Death Star. He said that he was wary of the rebels threatened things. Now, Cassio Taig, that's his full name, is actually seen in A New Hope. He's in the scene where there's a lot of admirals of the Empire sort of arguing about a few things, uh, and Vader and Gramoff Tarkin come in and things. So I'm just going to read you a little bit of exchange to kind of refresh your memory. So Taig says, Until this battle station is fully operational, we're too invulnerable. The Rebel Alliance are too well equipped. They're more dangerous than you realize. And then Admiral Motti says, Dangerous to your Starfleet commander, not to this battle station. Taig says, The Rebellion will continue to gain support in the Imperial Senate until and then Tarkin walks in with Vader saying the Imperial Senate will no longer be of any concern to us I've just received word that the Emperor has dissolved the council permanently the last remnants of the Old Republic have been swept away 
Tag says that's impossible. How will the Empire maintain control without the bureaucracy? And Tarkin says, the regional governors now have direct control over their territories. Fear will keep the local systems in line. Fear of this battle station. Tag says, and what of the rebellion? If the rebels have obtained a complete technical readout of the station, it's possible, however unlikely, that they might ex find a weakness and exploit it. And it goes, sort of that sort of thing. And then there's an admiral called Admiral Motti. And he's the one who basically has a back and forth of Vader and kind of mocks the Force a little bit. And Motti is the one who gets Force choked by Vader. So that's the scene that you should be able to remember that vaguely. But yeah, Taig is not the one who gets choked. He's just kind of in the area. And he actually left the battle station to go onto his own Star Destroyer when the thing blew up. So that's how he survived this far. And to clarify, Palpatine is now saying to Vader, you messed up, now you answer to him. And while Palpatine was saying this to Vader, there was a man who kind of was there, who kind of entered, and he didn't address him by name, but it was a man who he seemed like a human, but he seems to have the eye uh, and part of like a skin graft from like a Rodian. A Rodian is what Greedo was, that's the most famous Rodian, you know, green skinned, big eyes and little antenna. He has a part of that on his face, and you don't really know much else about him. So anyway, flash forward, basically Vader is on Tatooine, and he's approached by two people that Jabba sent, which is this personal favour that was spoken about. One of them is Boba Fett, and one of them is a Wookiee called Black Kersantin. I may be pronouncing that wrong. And essentially, what he wants to do is he gets Boba to track Luke Skywalker, and then he wants uh, Black Kersantin to track the guy who's in Palpatine's office, but make it all, you know, very quiet and things. If you listen to the Skywalker Strikes, what I did about that, it explains how Boba Fett did what he did. Right at the end of this comic, it comes back and it reveals that Boba told Vader Luke's last name, Skywalker, and that's how he realizes he has a son. But Boba isn't in this comic anymore because Boba is actually then in the Skywalker Strikes comic and has, you know, a skirmish with Luke and all kinds of crazy stuff. So make sure you go check that out. And then that scene of Vader with Boba and Black Kersantin basically ends with Vader who has just slaughtered loads of Tusken Raiders. There's loads of them before, which are the sand people seen in A New Hope and seen in Episode 2 when Anakin, obviously Vader, goes mental and kills loads of Tusken Raiders after the death of his mother. And a fun little tidbit here, after an attack of the clones when Anakin went mental and just slaughtered the whole village, the Tusken Raiders then feared Anakin as a demon, as a sort of vengeful desert demon, and then they would regularly do rituals and things to try and fend him off to prevent him coming back again. That's not necessarily relevant to anything, I just think that was quite cool, that obviously a whole camp and village of Tusken Raiders just got wiped out immediately, Tusken Raiders don't really know why, and then they start doing rituals to try and fend off this demon, so I thought that was quite cool. So anyway, back to the main story. In issue two, Vader stops this ship that seems to be sort of taking supplies uh, when there's meant to be an Imperial blockade. There's something that's stealing things from Imperials. So Vader talks to Taig, and Taig assigns him a guy called Oon Eye. So just watch Vader and keep an eye on him just to make sure he's not doing anything, you know, below the table, as it were. Um, Oon Eye, as well as a crew of stormtroopers, as well as Vader, they board this corvette, which is basically the Tantive IV. Uh, the Tantive IV is... You'd see that most recognisable in A New Hope and the end of Rogue One. It's the ship at the start of A New Hope that Vader boards and when Leia gives R2 the Death Star plans and shoots him off to Tatooine. That sort of ship is a Corvette, so that's what you can kind of imagine. So they basically go on the board of this Corvette. It's very few people on there, but they find a couple of pirates. They then destroy the ship and essentially return. But the pirates at one point, they send out these droidicas, which are also known as destroyer droids. Uh, in the prequels, they're the ones that roll as balls, and then they stop and pop those big shields around them, and then shoot, you know, beep, 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 that sort of firing amount, the two shots, two shots uh, with a shield. You should know what a droidica is. <laughs> 
And while that all happens, Aphra is mentioned. Uh, one of the pirates says, this better work, Aphra did these especially. And that is relevant later. While the, this sort of skirmish thing is happening with Vader, it shows a little bit at the bottom of the comic where Vader sent this droid to basically do something. They're not quite sure what he's doing. But then, towards the end, Vader then says that Unai was basically a traitor, and he kills him and throws him to the feet of Taig. And he says he was a traitor. Look, he was actually feeding this information to the pirates, you know, he's betraying you, that sort of thing. And so what is heavily hinted at is that what Vader did is got the droid to go basically on the outside of the ship, and you see this happen, the droid go on the outside of the ship, and it access like a data terminal thing. And what it seems to be is that that droid, while Vader was dealing with the pirates and whatnot, inserted data to say that this guy, this advisor, Un-Ai, was actually a traitor. And then when Vader goes there with Un-Ai to extract the data, the, the data that he's got there, that's already got the information in saying that Un-Ai was a traitor. It's a very, very clever way of, of Vader basically getting this guy off his back because Vader's trying to find out who that spy for Palpatine was, as well as trying to find out more information about Luke, you know, the pilot that destroyed the Death Star, as it's known in the Empire, before his surname is known. So Vader's trying to do all these things without Palpatine knowing, and obviously Palpatine suspects a lot of things, so he's getting his subordinates to then spy on Vader further, and Vader's kind of looping circles around them. So it's just quite interesting showing the struggle, especially the distrust after New Hope when Vader failed Palpatine, of how their relationship wasn't as smooth as it may have seen in the original trilogy. As I said, Vader then kills Unai, and he also gets the droid to sort of wipe the data of himself and then self-destruct. And then the third issue starts with this character, who I'm just going to say is Dr. Aphra, just to save ease. She steals a triple zero personality matrix. Now, Vader then catches her and things, and essentially saves her from the people on the base who are trying to halt it. And then... Vader, after a bit of back and forth, Vader then goes into Aphra's ship, unlocks this thing that Aphra said would have taken her hours to do, and then Triple Zero is born, as well as BT-1. Now, Dr. Aphra, her full name is actually Chelly Lona Aphra. You wouldn't know that until you read the Dr. Aphra comics, but, you know, I'm not going to make you do that. <laughs> I'll, re I'll speak about the Aphra comics sometime in the future, after I've done this series. But yeah, she was born 24 BBY, 24 years before the Battle of the Avon, before the Death Star blew up. This is obviously days, maybe weeks after the Death Star blew up. So she's 24 years old. She's a woman, and she's kind of described as the antithesis of Indiana Jones. So basically, the kind of opposite of Indiana Jones... She isn't evil from these comics as well as the other comics. She's more of a survivor. She's a bit corrupt. If I was going to describe it in sort of D&D &D terms, it's kind of like chaotic neutral in a sense. She'll kind of do what she wants in a sense. She's not a bad person. She won't just go around murdering people, but if, she will kill people if necessary. That sort of idea. And when Vader comes along, she's basically saying, whoa, I've heard about you. You know, you're a legend essentially thank you for choosing me to work with you and please don't kill me uh but then she does actually say look if you if you're gonna kill me please can you kill me in sort of a, a nice way just like a lightsaber to the neck quick easy please don't throw me in the vacuum of space i'm terrified of that sort of thing she's very very talkative she's she's very uh, charismatic as well she's an absolutely fantastic character she's probably my favorite character that only shows up in the comics to be fair she is also in the book certain point of view which is the 40 short stories retelling the story of a new hope but each short story is from a perspective of a supporting character she has her own story within that so that's another place that she's kind of appeared and she's slowly showing up in more and more places i think there's like a mobile game called force arena that she's in as well so she is starting to crop up in other places and she does a crossover with her comics with the main run of star wars comics as well around the issue 30 mark so she does start popping up quite a lot but anyway, back to Vader and Aphra. So 
What this thing, this triple zero personality matrix is, they put it into a protocol droid. Protocol droid being basically like a C-3PO. So if you imagine a C-3PO, but instead of gold, it's like a dark gray and with red eyes, nice and menacing. And then BT-1 is an assassin droid. So it's it looks like R2-D2 in a lot of ways, more of a square R2-D2, kind of like Chopper from Star Wars Rebels, if you've seen that. And it's just a, a blockier astromech, but it's actually... When its things open up, it's got missiles, it's got tasers, it's got, I think, needles and horrendous stuff. It's a droid that's got a lot of firepower behind it. So when Vader and her unlock the code, it brings about these two droids. She immediately, when they wake up, puts her and Vader as their masters so they won't attack them. And they're basically homicidal maniacs. They were researched under the Tarkin initiative in some ways. The Triple Zero Personality Matrix actually existed for like, I think it was like a hundred years before the Empire was a thing, because there's a guy called Watt Tambor, who is one of the leaders of the separatist sects. He is basically part of the Techno Union, which are one of the main parts of the Confederacy who were creating the battle droids themselves. So in the prequels, when you've got the droid army and stuff, he is one of the major backers of the droid army and creates a lot of the droids and things. He's had the triple zero personality matrix created, I think, centuries ago. But it was said it was basically kept turning on its masters and kept going mental and it had a tendency to drain people's blood. So that's what triple zero is about. It got locked away in this vault for ages. And then when the separatists lost the war in the prequels, obviously Vader then killed basically all of the separatists. And then the empire just got everything the separatists owned. And within that was what Tambor safe within that and this station was the triple zero personality matrix. So it's a homicidal C-3PO and an R2-D2 with loads and loads of missiles and things, both of which love killing. So that's the kind of characters you could expect from this series and the uh, Afra series. So Vader basically says to Afra he needs his own private resources and then Afra suggests battle droids from Geonosis. So then they go to Geonosis, and essentially Geonosis has been sterilized, and almost all the Geonosians have been killed. This is spoken about in various bits of Star Wars media. It, there's an episode in Clone Wars, which is about sort of Geonosians, and you see one of the queens in there. And then in Star Wars Rebels, Saw Gerrera and the main cast of Rebels go to Geonosis to try and find out where all the Geonosians have gone. And it basically turns out that the Empire just bombed the whole of Geonosis from space, killing pretty much all of them. And then I think let off chemical weapons or something like that to basically sterilize the Geonosian queens, who are much like a queen bee in a sense, who, you know, lay eggs of the majority of the species. They sterilized basically the queens so that the entire species was either dead from the bombing or would eventually die out due to infertility. It's quite interesting in that also Star Wars Rebels there is a character called Click Clack who has one little egg that the main characters end up not killing this one little genius in with the egg. That egg hatches to make the queen that's going to show up in this story. So anyway, they're looking for this sort of queen. Um, Afra and Vader are looking for this queen and for a droid army. They find this queen called Karina, who's actually sterile and is connected to a mechanical womb, which is as terrifying as it sounds. And it's a, essentially creating modified B1 battle droids, but also with like Geonosian wings. It, it's quite a weird thing, but she's basically saying that they're like her babies, they're like her children, because where she's sterile and all the Geonosians are gone, that's the last way in her mind she can always repopulate, but they are mechanical they are droids so it's quite peculiar but it's very very interesting vader after a bit of chatting basically slices her womb off and just takes it it literally just carries like this um these ropes come down from his ship and just take this mechanical womb from this half severed genosian queen and just takes it up to the ship and then it turns out that 
black chrysanthemum manages to find that spy that I spoke about a little bit earlier with the Rhodian skin graph eye thing. And Triple Zero tortures the Emperor's spy. He's called Silo 4. And I'm just going to read a little bit of dialogue because, once again, I think it's brilliant. And just to clarify, as I said, Triple Zero is a protocol droid. He looks just like C-3PO. So he speaks in a very well-mannered way. So I'm going to try and do a vague C-3PO-y sort of way of talking, or that's probably going to sound very peculiar. But essentially, Triple Zero goes, Hello, I'm Triple Zero, and I'm looking forward immensely to torturing you today. Speaking to Silo 4. Interesting upgrades. Grafted flesh from multiple species. What pain receptor sensitivity should I assume? Oh, listen to me fretting away. Ah, well, I'm sure we'll work it out in time. Now, let's start with your name, eh? Then it says later. I have good news and bad news about the gentleman. Good news. I have great confidence that I have managed to extract all relevant information from, ahem, Dr. Silo 4. I know the location of his research base, the nature of his commission from the Emperor, etc., etc. Vader says, then dispose of him. Then, Triple Zero says, Ah, then I have doubly good news. He's already dead. His base is a novel organic structure inside the isolated outer nebula. I forwarded the navigation route to the computer. I'm sure you're very interested in meeting your revivals. Explain, says Vader. And Triple Zero says, the Emperor's replacements for you, sir. And Vader says, set course immediately. The only reason I want to read that to you is because he's got, uh, Triple Zero has got the way of almost chivalry, the politeness that C-3PO has of, yes, oh, I'm terribly sorry about talking like that. Yes, well, thank you so much, sir. Talks like that, but he's homicidal. He loves torturing and killing people and and draining people's blood. So I just think it's one of the best Star Wars characters that is very heavily linked with Dr. Aphra. So I want to throw that out there. So issue number five starts with they basically found the base. They're on these whale ships, which seem to only be in the Vader comics. They're basically like gigantic space whales, but with machine buildings grafted onto them they look pretty freaky but i couldn't find them in uh, any other sort of canon content anyway vader enters with his sort of army of droids while afra stays on the ship helping vader get through certain things vader goes to a place called the dojo and meets two characters one's called aeolin and one's called morit as well as silo five and essentially there's a discussion and things this aeon and morit they basically have lightsabers but vader can tell they're very weak with the force and they're doing all these sort of tricks and things which are clearly not to do with actual being capable of using the force very well and what happens is is that the emperor comes in before vader starts to kind of threaten people and says right look vader these are your replacements essentially all of you need to try and fight let's see what we can get going i want to see a show and so the way that comic ends is there's a trandoshan who is what the species bosk is i've mentioned trandoshans before they're kind of lizard people as well as someone called carbon who is a mon calamari which is the same species as admiral akbar except carbon's is just the head, basically, of Admiral Akbar on the body, very similar to General Grievous from Revenge of the Sith. So, yes, terrifying. And then someone called Tulon Voidgazer, which just looks like a human with very interesting steampunk goggles on and a few floating blue orbs around them. And Vader notes that none of them are strong in the Force. So, the final comic basically starts with the Trandoshan gets killed pretty much immediately when they all start to kind of fight each other. Then Emperor Palpatine stops it all and says, okay, we've then heard enough. I've got certain uses for the rest of you. What is clarified is all of these individuals have been 
modified in some ways they've been experimented on they've been trained up they've got loads of different things about them that are quite interesting and cool Chulon void gaze are the orbs that she has she can see through all of them and kind of control them with her mind and they can shoot things do other kinds of crazy stuff and i've already said about sort of carbon he's basically general grievous and even silo 5 says when he's talking to the emperor about how he's helped and done all these crazy things and trained these people up because silo 5 was basically the emperor got him to train up all these people and i should also mention because i didn't mention previously you know silo 4 silo 5 silo 5 is a clone of silo 4 once triple zero killed silo 4 it did this program thing that you didn't find out until this comic where it basically made the new silo born so there's been four silo clones that have died and it's on the fifth one which is why it's called silo 5 yeah, Silo 5 has been training these people up for however long, I think it's like 20 years almost, of training certain people up to try and get them to replace Vader. As I said, Aeon and Moret have got lightsabers, they're kind of Jedi-ish, but they haven't got, they're not strong in the Force. Carbon's like a Grievous, and Tulon Vortigazer's got these crazy orb things. So then Vader and Palpatine basically have a talk, and Palpatine echoes how disappointed he was of Vader recently, but also how disappointed he was with him on Mustafar. So since Mustafar, when obviously Anakin got wrecked by Obi-Wan by trying to jump over him, and then Obi-Wan sliced all his remaining limbs off, Palpatine says that he's always disappointed in Vader for that, because he basically ruined a lot of Palpatine's plans, and he couldn't become as powerful as he wanted him to be. So he said that he now must prove himself worthy so that these other people wouldn't be his successors. So that basically happens, and Vader goes back to his ship, and Palp says also, you need to not kill these people, or if you kill them, you need to not let me find out. And he says that to all of them. He says, look, apprentices, you all work for me now, I've got loads of different jobs for all of you, but don't kill each other, ideally, or if you're going to, do it and don't let me find out. So Vader goes back, and Aphra says that Boba's made contact, Boba Fett, and he basically says what was said at the end of the Skywalker Strikes thing, which is, he talks to Vader and says well vader's like did you get him then and he said no he escaped but i got his name it was skywalker and vader remained silent staring out of a star destroyer window out into space and boba says okay i'll take my leave then boba leaves and then vader's just kind of staring he has some flashbacks of padme and things and then of luke with a lightsaber that he recognized and obi-wan just kind of let himself die and how come the that pilot who blew up the death star had was so strong in the force and then vader realizes it's his son because obviously he gets told about skywalker he realizes it's his son clenches his fist and then all of the window starts to crack and things that is shown in the end of skywalker strikes but in this one it is an extended version it shows a bit more to it and then he basically speaks to Palpatine after finding out. And then he's very angry. And Palpatine says, oh, I can tell that you're angry. Is that against me? Or are you wise enough to not stand up to me? And Vader says he understands us. As in talking about him and Palpatine's relationship. He understands us. And that's basically what he says to Palpatine. He hangs up the phone in a, in a way. It's like a hologram phone thing. And then he basically walks back to the window, staring out at all the cracks and things. And he says that Skywalker and the whole Empire will be his so one thing that obviously when you see return of the jedi vader turns and he's seeing his son get killed and things at the point of a new hope he realizes that palpatine has been hiding a lot of things from him he's trying to get a successor palpatine's always like pushing him down and saying he's not good enough and all these other things and when vader finds out he's got a son that's alive he then thinks this is my opportunity to take over the empire and that's obviously in empire strikes back which takes place a few years after this cuts off luke's hand and then says look son you and i can take on the emperor we can rule the galaxy together that's what vader wants that's what vader said to padme or well anakin said to padme in episode three he says look we don't need to run we don't need to hide our love i can overthrow the emperor 
and then we can rule this galaxy together. Padme obviously doesn't want that because she's never wanted a dictator sort of thing. She likes democracy and etc. And then it's just echoed again where Vader's saying to Luke, come with me, join me. And this comic really nicely shows how Vader got to that mind state. And that's one of the reasons I love about the Vader comics is that the main run of Star Wars comics and the Princess Leia comic I did before, it gives more context and more depth and more story to a lot of characters people really like. You know, Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Chewie, Princess Leia, and later on Lando and things. It's really nice for them to get more story behind them. But the main Star Wars movies, especially the original trilogy, there's not that much Vader time. Like, you get to see a few things here and there, and as the movies go on, you get more and more. But generally, you don't really get to see what Vader gets up to. And one of the things I love about this Vader comic specifically is it shows his slow unraveling. It shows him plotting against Palpatine and him trying to work out and figure out how he can overthrow Palpatine over the years while still being a puppet of Palpatine and trying to hide things. And that's how he knows Aphra and things. And throughout these comics, him and Aphra have some sort of alliance in some ways. You know, Aphra doesn't want to die and wants to get paid. And Vader wants someone to help him. He has a tool. But he does say to Aphra, once she lives out her usefulness, he will kill her. And he says that to her and obviously he means it because it's Darth Vader. But yeah, I just thought I'd, I want to release this comic. I've been excited for it for a while because, th- as I keep saying, the Vader comics are so cool. They're just everything I love about Star Wars in so many ways. It adds more depth to it, and it's the dark side. And, you know, a lot of the darker elements of Star Wars are some of my favourite things, and these Vader comics do an absolute excellent job. Also, you'll note this is a little bit this episode is a little bit shorter than the main run of Star Wars comics. It's easier to do Vader comics because it's one storyline and I can summarize things a bit more. As I said, I don't want to read things verbatim, but I want you guys to, if you hear this podcast, it's enough so you understand the wider canon a bit more. But if you read the comic itself, you'll still get loads out of it because I've kind of, I'm just trying to give you the, in air quotes, essential information and read a couple of cool things that I like and give links to the rest of it, like the information about take. So that's basically what I've wanted to do and that's what I've done. So Coming up over the next few weeks, uh, next week I think I'm going to go back down to the prequel era, because I haven't touched on a prequel comic in a little while. There's a mini-series about Mace Windu um, that's quite cool as a connection to other elements of Star Wars and things that I quite like. It's not the best comic in the world, but it is a cool, fun comic, and Mace Windu obviously barely gets any time, excluding in Clone Wars, where you see a bit more about him, the Clone Wars series. So I'll be doing Mace Windu next week. The week after that, I will be doing the next uh, volume of the star wars comics it will be volume three which i believe is called rebel jail and as i've said the vader comics run alongside the star wars main run comics but i think there's like 13 annuals of the main run of star wars comics while the vader this one there are five so you can see that you know the timing is going to be slightly different and things maybe i'll take a gap on the vader later on or something we'll see how the storylines kind of intermingle and things but that's what you can expect from me mace windu next week the star wars run the following week I'll figure out what I'm going to do the week after that. And then the week after that, I'll be back to these Vader comics. So every four episodes will be this Vader comic. And that's what you can look forward to. Really appreciate you guys listening. Be sure to check out my other show, Genuine Chit Chat. It, wherever you're listening to this, you'll be able to find Genuine Chit Chat. You know, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, all those sort of places. And I just talk with a guest. I've had people from Comics in Motion on, Tony from Indie Comics Spotlight, Max from Mandatory Marvel and DC, and Chris and Dave of the Comics in Motion podcast. They've all been on Genuine Chit Chat before. And actually recently, I've had them all on in different capacities and things. I appeared on the Mandatory Marvel and DC episode that came out, I think, the day or before 
so before this episode you'll be listening to is out about Batman the Killing Joke so you can hear me talk with Max about things that aren't Star Wars related or you can check out Genuine Chit Chat where I talk to a variety of different people about loads of different things it's not just people who are podcasters it's authors filmmakers comedians musicians all kinds of different people so if you want an interview style podcast that's quite informal and conversational check out Genuine Chit Chat if you're not interested in that, then just subscribe to Comics Emotions so you can keep hearing all these great Star Wars content, as well as all the other great content from the other creators too. Anyway, thank you so much for listening, guys. I really, really appreciate it, and may the Force be with you. The intro for Star Wars Comics and Canon is arranged by myself, Mike Burton, and the backing music was made by Eric Matias of soundimage.org. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.